Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. <laughs> I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all names. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. Cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside seat. and I'll be up in the blue seats. <laughs> Ooh, welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. The New York Rangers are back on the ice and so are we. Joining us later in the podcast will be friend of the show, 1994 Rangers Stanley Cup winning head coach, Iron Mike Keenan. But first, let's welcome in your host, of up in the blue seat she comes live from tampa she's pissed at us because she wants to be by the bull tanning but she's here it's the queen of the post molly walker and her co-host is somewhere in the united states that most of us don't frequent often it's rangers great number 10 ron Duguay. Well, hi, everyone. Yes, it's another week, and the Rangers are back at it after being off for 12 days. Played last night against the Panthers. It was a disappointment, but still, after 12 days, we didn't know what to expect. They went up against a good team. I thought they played well, and I think Gerard Gallant, in his statement, felt like the team won Played well enough to win. So those are all things we're going to discuss today. But yes, I have a level of excitement because we have my good friend, a friend of the show, Mike Keenan. And it's always good to talk to Mike and, and going back to the 94 team, what it meant to him, the process that he went through. And one of the things that's happening today with the Ranger team is that team is off to their best start since 94. So we're going to discuss all that with Mike. And But for now, Molly, I believe, Molly, you're in Tampa. You're in Tampa Bay, where they're going to play the Lightning tomorrow night. How are you doing, Molly? I'm doing great. I Like Jake said, I would prefer to be by the pool, but talking hockey with you guys is always fun as well. Yeah, they got a home-and-home series against the Lightning coming up. Going to be a real big test, but... As of right now, Andre Vasilevsky, star goaltender of the Lightning, is in COVID protocol right now. So the Rangers could be taking on a, a Lightning team without their one of their top players. So we'll see how that goes. It could be a big opportunity for them. And they kind of need a, a, a big win after after a disappointment uh, the other night against the Panthers. So Molly, I have to say, because as a writer, you have to come up with a headline, right? And sometimes you may exaggerate it because you said, I read, oh, they blow another lead. And talking with Gerard Gallant, did he feel the same way as you did? Did you say to him, Gerard, you blew another lead? <laughs> well, no, not like that. And also, correction, writers do not make the headlines. That is a common misconception. Oh, didn't know um, that. Everybody that gives me... Yeah, no, and and most people don't know that. And they always give the writers all the crap for the headlines. And it's not anything that we wrote. But yes, like you said, the Rangers have kind of fallen into this habit of... They're very positive after some of these losses. And selfishly as a writer, sometimes I'm just looking for those quotes where, you know, you give up three goals in the third period for the second time against the same team, no less. You need a little bit of a negative quote to to fit the story, to, you know, make it flow. But the Rangers, Gerard Gallant, Jacob Truba, after that game, they were, they rightfully felt that they played well enough to win through 40 minutes. You know, they probably did. But the fact is they still 
gave up three goals in the third period to, to blow the lead. And it's not the first time that this has happened this season, not only against the Panthers earlier in the year, but against Vancouver and, and Edmonton. And, and it's happened a couple times to this team. So it, it, it can it can get a bit frustrating when we don't get those types of quotes for them. But in the same breath, I kind of think that it's working for the Rangers as well. I think that keeping that positive attitude and, and, and I think it's stemming from Gerard Gallant as well. He's always the first to point out the positives and the silver linings and, and the highlights of the game that he's seen rather than pinpointing mistakes or areas where he felt like the team needed to tighten things up. And I think that trickles down to the rest of the team in the sense that everybody isn't overdwelling on on a loss and and is able to take the positives that he's highlighted and and run with it kind of. So I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with uh, this extreme positivity coming out of the Rangers locker room. (laughs) Well, Molly, as a player, I got to tell you, I'm seeing it on the ice. When you look at the goal, which is the highlight goal in Panarin, I hadn't seen him make that move before. So obviously players feel confident enough that if they try something and it doesn't work, that the coach is going to be down their throat. And so that goal last night was phenomenal. I think he even surprised himself when you saw how he celebrated. And so is there any background? Did you talk to him about that uh, that play that he made on a, on a very good defenseman, that one-on-one? Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you, that goal was even prettier in person, guys. It was jaw on the floor, just like Dryden Hunt. If you guys rewatch the video, Dryden Hunt is just absolutely stunned, and he was probably everybody's reaction. But, yeah, we got to talk to Panarin after the game, and and he was saying that, he had actually been practicing that move in the last three days of practice. And it was because he was watching kids at the World Juniors before it was canceled the other day, obviously, and other young players attempt that backhanded tuck through the legs kind of move. And he said to himself, why am I not doing that? And it's like, yeah, Artemi, why are you not doing that? Because you really can do it, evidently. And I I think that he probably was trying to lift the backhand a little bit. And it slid off of his stick and just crept right under Bobrovsky's pads. Um, And it was, it might not have been intentional, but it worked in the moment, man. And it was beautiful. It really was. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of, I I was always afraid of trying something new during a game, especially in a neutral zone, because if you get beat and then the puck goes the other way, then you're trapped and then you're waiting, then you go back to the bench and the coach is not happy. But it reminds me, in my seventh, my first year as a Detroit Red Wing, I'm playing with Stevie Eiserman, and I'm watching Stevie in practice. And there's he had this one move where he, he would pull. He's a left-handed shot. He would pull all the way to the left, and he'd have the defenseman. He would freeze and let the defenseman go after it, and then he'd pull it back to his right. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try that. And sure enough, one game I did it. A one-on-one against a D. All the way, I'm right-handed, so all the way to the right. The guy fishes over for it. He misses and I pull it and I go around him. We end up scoring a goal. So it kind of reminded me of that one, that one thing. I thought, you know what? I'm, I, I'm okay. I could be, I, I could try this and sure enough, it worked. But generally speaking, I hate trying things and getting caught where it doesn't work. So a lot of that has to do with Gerard Gallant and his confidence in his players, allowing them the freedom to try things. And a lot of it has to do in practice. If the practices are too stiff, too hard, too serious, they're not going to try it. And so that's why I like coaches that allow their players to play a little pawn hockey during practice, play some pawn hockey, try things. Now's the time to do it. Other times, okay, we're going to have, we're going to be strict about what we're doing. So that has a lot to do with who Gerard Gallant is. 
No, absolutely. And I think players like Capo Caco and some of the other young guys have vocalized that they know that if they make a glaring mistake that, you know, it's not going to be you know, shoved in their faces as soon as they get off the ice. And he, Galan is building trust with those guys. And and back to the, like you were talking about with the Panarin's goal. I mean, that came against Aaron Ackblad of all people. Like it was, it wasn't just some Joe Schmo defenseman off, off the bench. It was their top defenseman. So I think that it just made the play that much more impressive to me in my eyes, at least. So I'm going to do something right now that I promise not to do next year. My new year's resolution. Okay. Right now I am not, I, for the last time I say, Jake, what the heck are you wearing right now? What is it that you're wearing right now? What is this? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you ever had, have you had ramen noodles in your life, Ron? No. You've never had ramen noodles. See, Ron's lived a different life than us average I was going to say, Ron's, Ron's a former NHLer. Ron's well, not Ron, ramen in college noodles. and post-college, when you're, you're broke, you're poor, you had ramen noodles, like a dollar. You know, that replaces your meal. So this is the beef edition. I have a chicken and beef. I saw someone wearing a ramen noodles hoodie. I forget what it was. It was something on TV. I'm like, wow, that looks so cool. And now it's just my thing. You know, I'm trying to lighten up during COVID, have some fun outfits for the videos we're doing now. So I have a Doritos one coming in the mail soon. I saw you had a Cheetos order. one on the I other day. Cheetos, I have a Flamin' Hot and then an extra Flamin' Hot one. Oh, my um, God. Two I, different brands of I Cheetos. like wearing snacks. You know, like if they have a double stuffed Oreos hoodie, I'm going to get it. So if, if I could find that, I'm going to get that. It's just fun. You know, I have a unique style to me, Ron, as you have you, you have a unique style you're obviously more flashy you look better and your stuff is more normal i like funky weird things that no one would ever wear and the reaction's great i wore it to the rangers game and people were going crazy ladies were like touching it feeling up on it they were all about it so it it, it did well okay well let me ask you then do you have a new year's resolution Mine, I, I need to lose weight for sure. No, um, I, I say this, but I have a no. Gym. No, I Stop have it, to. No, I'm a. I, I'm wearing. I eat. You know, I'm wearing food. Like that should be a sign that I need to lose weight. I, I'm 240. I really want to get close, like 220. I have a gym in my building, so there's really no excuse. I've been a little sick the last, you know, 10 days, week or 10 days. So just fighting a cold off. But I need to start hitting the gym more and eating healthier. Stop with the late night snacks cut back soda so that's a big uh goal on mine and then also taking my career to even bigger and better as well i think i've been crushing it in 2021 but 2022 my mike piazza year i'll be 31 in february will be the biggest year of my career so uh, those are my two big new year's resolutions molly i hate to be a, a debbie downer but i'm not one to do new year's resolutions i don't i can't remember the last time i did one and i mean i obviously respect people that like to do it i get it you know you feel like you're starting a new year but I'm kind of the type of person, if I want to make a change in my life, I'm not going to wait until the end of the Let year. Let me make one for Molly. I think, Molly, yours should be crush it with NHL Network. You're going to be at NHL Network a lot. Kill your appearances and more Molly on TV. I think some more appearances maybe become more than once a week. Maybe it's the Molly Walker show on NHL oh Network. God. I think that should be your resolution. 
And uh, I always told you from the start, I spot stars. I, I basically told Taylor Rook she would become a star when she was with SNY. Now she's like the face of sports media, one of the faces. I think you can get to that level. So that's going to be my resolution for you, Molly. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. And that's very kind of you to say. So I'll take it. I'll, I will definitely take it from you. Yeah. The best is yet to come for Molly and for Jake and for all of us. I think our show is going to get bigger and better, but individually, we're all going in a different place. I think that I'm not too old to get bigger and better. And you guys are very young. You got careers ahead of you. So I wish you guys the very best before we get into the new years. It's going to be a good 2022 for all of us. What is yours? You, you didn't tell us yours, Rob. I did. I said, I'm not going to stop picking on you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think Ron's New Year's resolution should be to stop bailing on plans with Molly. Wow. <laughs> Shots fired, Ron. You wanna explain your, yes, your bailing? No, I mean all of our all of our listeners know we, we had we had plans for, for New Year's Eve. We had plans and those plans, you know, just aren't happening anymore on on, on ron's account yeah has- no i know i was i was part of the disappointment and you know of course mike we're going to meet with mike also but he's going to stay put and we're going to meet in tampa at tomorrow night's game at the lightning go to the game and join up with phil esposito and his wife and go out but we're going to put that on hold we are we are going to do something even bigger and better later I'm not quite sure what that is, Molly, but we will do it, okay? All right, I'm holding you to it. I'm holding you to it. You owe me two Cosmopolitans. There you go. Add, <laughs> add that to the uh, Instagram Instagram account, the Cosmo Girl HW. What is it? Cosmo Girl MW, oh, my initials. MW. Oh, right, okay. Uh, have you made makeup plans? Do you have, are you going to, why don't you take like a shot with Vin, Vincent or one of the other writers or Colin or something? Why don't you drink yeah, with that? Colin is here. Uh, yeah, we, we are going to go out probably after the game, just, you know, to get a drink. I mean, the area and around Amal, Amal, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Amali? The other day, the other, Amali. I want to say Amali because Molly, but I think it's Emily, Emily yeah. or something. It's a nice arena. I've been there. Yeah, it's, nice. it is really, really nice. Um, and the, I mean, I love Tampa Bay. I was here for in total about a week when the Islanders played the Lightning last summer. So I spent so much time out here and I just love the area. The area is so nice and lots of great bars and restaurants to go to. All right. Molly, you have to do one thing for me tomorrow night at the game. Okay. You need yes, to go what? find Phil Esposito wherever he's doing his radio, and give him a big New Year's hug for me. Will you do that? <laughs> yes, I can do that for you, Ron. Okay, there we go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Espo and, well, there's the meeting. You know, it was supposed to be Espo, Molly, Ron, Mike, and now it's just Molly. Maybe but she drinks with Espo after the game. Why yeah, you then, then you'll be the jealous, John, Ron. Then no, you'll be jealous. I'm going to let him know that you're coming to find him. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. Please do. There we go. There you go. We'll talk to a guy who's near Tampa Bay down in Florida about uh, the 94 Rangers, his hockey career, the current Rangers. Mike Keenan will join up in the blue seats next. And we have a little cocoa. (laughs) (laughs) Cocoa. A little what? (laughs) Joining us now on Up in the Blue Seats is a friend of the program. He coached the Rangers to their last Stanley Cup title in 1994 and has a total of 20 seasons coaching in the NHL for the Flyers, Blackhawks, Blues, Canucks, Bruins, Panthers, Flames, and of course, the Blue Shirts. He made the playoffs 13 times in those 20 years. Let's welcome back to the show, Mike Keenan. Mike, thanks for joining us again. How are you? Great to be here, and thanks for having me this time of the year. We're we're wishing everyone 
the best of luck and good health. And of course, a happy new year, but nice to be with you. So Mike, before we get into hockey stuff, so you're down in Florida, right? You're in the Keys. And what are your plans for New Year's and any New Year's resolution out of you? Well, I'm in, I'm in Key West, which is the last key. I'm actually closer to Cuba than I am to Miami. It's going to be pretty low key because of the COVID scare. And, and I, I'll go out to dinner and hang out. And and my resolutions for the new year is to continue to work on my fitness, Ron, so I can stay up with you when we play shinny hockey. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, what's funny is that whenever Mike and I are in Manhattan, we do a lot of walking from one location to another. I mean, he still keeps up with me because I walk at a fast pace and Mike is right there next to me. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm a little disappointed. I, I, we were all supposed to spend New Year's Eve together. And now that's no longer happening because of <clears throat> Ron. I'm going to call anybody out. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Well, you know how plans change, Molly. It's uh, you, We have friends in different location, and we kind of go with whatever's happening today. And so, yeah, as you can see in the background, I'm in, I'm in Alaska right now visiting friends. And uh, Mike is in the Keys, but I was looking forward to New Year's. But here we are. We can still talk and see each other. So, Mike, uh, the excitement with the New York Rangers is that they're off to their best start since 1994, which you coached that team. And so you end up winning Stanley Cup, President's Cup. But what do you remember about your start with that team? Did you expect it? What was it about your team that you had a good start? Well, we actually didn't have a good start. We went to England and competed in England and trained in England. It was a small group. And then we came back and we had some preseason games here in North America. Uh, but we had a little bit of a slow start because I can remember one of the reactions I had. Kevin Lowe can attest to this as one of our team members said, that was the hardest skate I've ever experienced. So I had to get something to, to gather and, and get their attention. And after that, we just sailed and it took off and we made some trades uh, early. Larmer was a big addition and, and we made some adjustments, of course. And then we took off. And as you know, we, we end up, as you just indicated, winning the President's Trophy. But uh, it took a little bit of reshaping the team, I guess you might say it. As you can recall, the previous year, they didn't make the playoffs. So we had quite a bit of ground to catch up on and, and uh, move forward. And as we continued... Uh, throughout that season, and I could be uh, explaining this to your management team now, don't be seduced by success because it's a very, very difficult task to win that trophy. And and as we continue to develop the team, we made changes. Even though we were in first place, we were going to win the President's Cup. And we made changes because you have to look around and say, who are we going to face in the playoffs? And for us, the, the greatest opponent to, to get to the finals was going to be New Jersey. I said, they're bigger, stronger, they're fast, they're skilled, exceptional goaltending. And those are things you have to keep an eye on as well as developing your own team. And so, Mike, with the Ranger team right now, they're getting goaltending. And, and for you as a coach, and you're looking back to that 94 team, is, something, is that your most important position for you? Or do you think you can have average goaltending and have great defense? I think that you have to have both. But uh, better than both, you have to have a, an elite goaltender. If I go back to my days in Philadelphia, we had Pelly Lindbergh, who won the, the Vesna Trophy. God bless his soul. And then we had Ronnie Hextall, who won the Conn Smythe. And then in Chicago, when we went to the finals, we had Eddie Balfour and Dominic Hasek, two Hall of Famers. 
so now we're in New York. We got uh, Mike Richter and uh, Glenn Healy, and our goaltending is very solid. And, and in fact, when we picked up Glenn Healy, we already had Mike. But I said, in the event that Mike ever got hurt, we need a go- another goaltender that we can win with. So that position is paramount. And uh, then you go out from there. And, and of course, we had the superstar defenseman and Brian Leach and Sergey Zuboff, maybe not quite a superstar at that time, but very close to it. And it becomes a Hall of Famer. And, a, and then we had a plethora of uh, talented forwards and leadership with Mark Messier, Adam Graves, and talent spread amongst the, the forward group and people that were significantly great at their roles whether it was a checking role, tough guy role, uh, scoring. You have to have all those ingredients. The Stanley Cup is so difficult to win, and you have to have that, be mindful of it, what those ingredients are going to be necessary for you to be successful in the playoffs. It's one thing, and Gretzky mentioned this before, so it's not new. You have preseason, then you have regular season, then you have the playoffs, and then you have the Stanley Cup. So there's segments of of competition that you have to be prepared for. Mike, shifting gears a little bit to you and your career, I know you're no longer coaching in the KHL, but you did for many years. And your last gig was with the KHL's first Chinese-based team, I believe. And, And then you were asked to be an advisor to the national team, just with the Olympics coming up and everything. I'm just curious what that experience was like for you. Well, I'll tell you a little story. It's an anecdotal story of how that came about. I had some great success in in Russia. We won the Gagarin Cup, the first uh, North American to win the Gagarin Cup. Uh, Mike Polino was one of my assistants. Elia Vrobre was a Russian. But it was funny, the the Chinese were going to join the league and they asked the Russian Federation, who would you recommend to help us? And they said, of course, Mike Keenan. And I always joke with the Russians that you didn't recommend a Russian because if it went awry, you can blame a Canadian. (laughs) That's how that came about. And of course, uh, I became an advisor. I was at the Winter Palace. I was with all the top politicians in in China and and the people that are running the hockey program there. And started to initiate some of the requirements that they would need to play in the Olympics. And and now that landscape has changed completely, as you know. So it'll be interesting to watch how this Chinese team makes out not playing against NHL players. Yeah, but if, if I'm not mistaken, China is going to be in a bracket with USA, Canada, and Germany. <laughs> that seems a little unfair to me. Do you agree? <laughs> well, that's a formidable challenge, but you can put them in any bracket. They're going to be the, the extreme underdog. There's no question about it. It'll be an interesting, as I said, challenge. I'm, I'm not sure what Canada, for example, is going to do or the United States in, in formulating a team. Are they going to be... Uh, university stars and, and and the universities want to take the chance if they get into a COVID protocol situation, they can't retrieve their superstars back to their universities for several weeks. I'm not sure how this is going to play out and who's even going to represent, in our case, in North America here, either Canada or United States. I'm just curious, what did you make of how the NHL handled the whole Olympic fiasco in general? Well, it's a very difficult question to answer and a very difficult question to really address uh, with any great, great deal of knowledge. It's so unpredictable, the, the variants and the COVID variant and, and, and the requirements in terms of protocol testing. And then if you connect and come in contact with COVID, you get COVID, I think 
the reason, one of the reasons that the NHL declined or withdrew is because, as I said, you get your superstar players there from every NHL team and they get stuck there for several weeks because they're not going to be released from China. There's an economic impact, obviously, and a competitive impact in the NHL now. And I believe that's probably the number one reason why they didn't, they decided to withdraw, that there was too many constraints in terms of protocol in the event that you contact COVID. I got a two-part question for you, Mike, and good to see you. I, I think I saw you the uh, Nick season opener. We had I was a couple there with of Mr. Dugay. Yeah, we Ron, I, we had a couple of shots, a couple of drinks, maybe a couple of brews after the game, a celebrating a Knicks victory. But looking back to that '94 team, I got two questions. The first one is this: I just talked to Steve Gelbs, who's the Mets sideline reporter. His dad, Scott, was the physical therapist for your '94 Rangers team. And he told me a story of how you guys were down 2 nothing in the Messier hat-trick game six versus the Devils. And I believe it was Graves was having back spasms. So he came down during the game and you told him to stick around because Kovalev scored, Messier got the hat-trick. You said, you're not moving from this bench. Were you like a superstitious kind of guy? And were you concerned in that game being down 2 nothing that this thing uh, might not happen for you guys? I wasn't particularly superstitious, but I did have some routines, if you like. But in the case of, of bringing someone down to relieve any pain management that Adam Graves had or spasms or anybody else, you use your assets. And, and in this case, stay here because if Adam goes into spasms again, we don't want to go and find you. Stay here and because we need immediate assistance and immediate attention to all of our players and that's part of medical management. All right, second part of the question. So 94, Game 7 Stanley Cup Finals. You avoided becoming the first coach in NHL history to lose two Game 7s. Was that in the back of your mind at the time? You're like, I can't go through this heartache again. You had lost two finals. You know what they say, third time's the charm. But were you thinking, there's no way my heart could take losing another one in Game 7? No, I never looked at uh, anything in terms of negative uh, outcomes. I can recall and tell you that on my way to the arena, I had a driver and the coaches in a van with us. And uh, there was a, this is a funny story too, Mary Chapin Carpenter, come on. And I take my chances every chance I take. And I said, this is a great chance. We sped down the wrong way because I had a Secret Service agent with me and we put the bubble flashing red bubble on the top of the vehicle because now it was getting congestion. We couldn't get to the arena on time. But I felt extremely positive, pumped about the outcome of that game going into it. And I could feel the energy. The extra day off helped us. The team was prepared. We were, we'd worked so hard all year long, put ourselves in that position. And I addressed that with them and said, if the, at the beginning of the season someone would say to you, uh, would you take Game 7 to play for the Stanley Cup? And, of course, they all would say yes. And that's exactly what transpired in terms of the energy in the room. Uh, we had an experienced team in every respect, and they were ready and uh, prepared. Now, it's still a very, very tight game, crossbars and close calls, but uh, we were fortunate, and, and we had enough poise and confidence to succeed it. Under the pressure, you have to remember, this is New York City. And and for many going into that, the, the fans were on pins and needles wondering, you know, what what was it, the, the, the ghosts of the past or whatever the case might be, I come into play. But uh, 
I never felt that at all. Mike, I have to ask you, uh, in watching today's game and, and the way it's being played and the players that are playing the game, a lot of skill out there, but it's played differently with the new rules. Uh, if you were asked today, Mike, we would like for you to be a head coach in NHL, would that be something that you would consider? Or how would your coaching technique apply to how these players are now? Good question. Uh, I'd have to think about it to answer the first part, whether I would want to do it or not. And secondly, you have to be mindful of the fact that I coached in five different decades. So the methodology in decade number one was completely different in in now my fifth decade. Now I'm in a foreign country in Russia and China. So you have to make those adaptations uh, in certainly a cultural change. Very few people in Russia, hardly any of the players could speak English. So I had to make that adaptation, learn enough language, uh, Russian, to give them instructions in, in, in Russia. But at the same time, you have to, I think, set your standard by this statement. It's better to understand than to be understood. So the transition from coaching in the early 80s, the coach was in charge, or before that, in the 70s, as you know, you played. Now it's better to understand the mentality of the people that are and the culture that you're working with to get the best results. And that's the way I would approach it if I was going into the sixth decade of coaching because uh, the players are a little bit different. The game's different, but, you know, I've, I've made that adaptation from an NHL-size arena to the Olympic-size arena to a different culture, coaching in Russia, and we had success. So hockey is a, a, a wonderful sport, and and there's so many dynamics to it that you can – have to adjust to in terms of the style of play, your strategies, your tactics, even for example, the aerobic training uh, in, in the in the in the Olympic size surface, you're you're skating three or four miles more than you do in the NHL game. So you're training a different energy system. And of course the space it's 15 feet wider. So you can imagine what the tactics are, the strategy is in terms of how you're going to approach that game with such a different ice surface. So that's how you'd have to work with these people today. And and at the same time, I think that uh, they are prepared. If you have the right leadership and the right group, they're they're prepared to respond to, to different approaches and, and accelerate their their ability to win as a group and, and in, to improve individually, first of all, and then collectively win as a group. Last one for you, Coach Iron Mike, who's 12th on the all-time NHL wins list. If everything had worked out right, do you ever dream about the chance of potentially coaching a Rangers dynasty? If, you know, if there were no disagreements, everything worked, you stay with the Rangers. Do you ever dream at night? Be like, wow, if I stay with the Rangers, maybe we win one or two more and magic happens in New York City. Well, that's actually a a great uh, question. And, you know, we had a lockout the year following our cup win. We didn't start up until January. I believe it was January. But that is and probably was the biggest disappointment in my career because I felt that we had assembled a group that grew together, that really cared for each other, had the leadership, had all the talent base that we needed to succeed again. And and I'm not egotistical enough to say that maybe I could have helped that group again when a cop. Say it, say it, Mike, say it. For the people in the back. (laughs) 
Is that the, what is it, the blue shirts or the red shirts? Up top? Blue shirts, blue seats, blue shirts. Uh, so that, that was a major disappointment for sure. I'm not getting into all the details of how it transpired, but, and it still is a disappointment because I enjoyed that group. It took a lot of work to get to where we were and what we did. And then the, it was just heartbreaking to tell you the truth that I, I end up leaving. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And we'll get you back on again soon, for sure. Appreciate it very much. And Ronnie, up in Alaska, you stay warm. We kind of gooned him. I'm going to bring that old term back. We gooned him. All righty, Molly Walker. Ron is over out west in Alaska. Let's close out episode 70, the Mackenzie Skapsky edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time Ron left me high and dry, as, as you heard previously in the show. But thanks to you, Jake and Andrew Hartz, for producing the show. We really appreciate it. And all you listeners, if you could give us a five-star rating on Apple Review and leave in a nice comment, that would be very nice. And you can give us a five star rating on Spotify as well. It's a new a new feature, Molly. I know you're you're deeply invested in the new Spotify feature that you could give us five stars. So go in there right now, give us five stars. Do you tan well? Will you be tan by the time you get back to New York, or do you stay Casper pasty? How's it work? I'm trying my absolute best. It hasn't been the best timing with uh, all the practices and the games, but doing my best. I usually burn, so maybe it's for the best. So we'll see. Hope everybody has a great New Year's Eve and a happy New year have a happy new year for number 10 ron Duguay, molly walker jake brown andrew hearts we'll be back in 2022 thanks for supporting the show all year long be safe everybody happy new year jake what the heck are you wearing right now 